Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. This episode is going to be a preview of the Monday night game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tom McLeavy is going to stop in for another McLeavy minute, and Sands is going to come by with his expert football analysis as well. The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 15 preview, Cincinnati Bengals versus Pittsburgh Steelers. First play of the game, Green and Higgins to the left, Sample and Boyd to the right, Geo in the backfield. Ball snapped, we let TJ Watches come in, let him think he's going to have his way, and what we do is we have Sample get out to that second level and block the linebacker, and a little screen pass to Gio Bernard, big gain on first down. Second play, let's assume we got 8-9 yards on that first play. I mean, it could go for more, but let's just assume that it's second and short. We bring in two tight ends, Perrine comes in as the back, and we just do a power run right behind Quinton Spain with an H-back leading the way and a tight end out there as well. Boom. Hello, Pittsburgh. It's not going to be a cakewalk this game. Play number three. Same formation as the first down play. This time, we're going to throw to the left side. So we have Higgins in the slot, Green wide. Higgins goes straight. Green does a little slant underneath him. Somewhat of a pick play, a legal pick play. I love getting creative with two wide receivers on one side. So that's what we do. A nice slant to A.J. Green to start things off, get him going again. Play number four. Send five wide receivers out. One of them is going to be sample, so technically it's four wides and a tight end, but you're in a five-receiver formation. Sample motions into the backfield as an H-back. He hits the first rusher that comes free, and we set up a deep ball. We have A.J. Green in the slot, and he's going to be going right at that safety to occupy the safety. And then we have Higgins on the outside. We get enough time to throw, three seconds or so, I'm hoping. Long pass to Higgins. 7 nothing Bengals. Let's go. All right, so on to some headlines. Monday night football, Steelers week. You got to get pumped up for this game. It would have been nice to have Joe Burrow out there for a Monday night game to let the whole world see how great he is. I'm hoping there's not a ton of Steeler fans in the crowd. Like last game, there were a bunch of Cowboy fans there. You heard him yelling coop the whole game. And the Steelers are notorious for traveling well, and they usually pack Paul Brown Stadium when they're there. So I'm hoping with the limited fans that are there that there's very few Steeler fans because I don't want to hear on Monday Night Football people clapping when the Steelers do well. Geno Atkins, I knew something was going on this year. The fact that he wasn't getting snaps, the fact that he wasn't that productive when he was in there, I knew that shoulder was lingering and he never totally healed from it. So he's going to be off to surgery. And they're talking that the Bengals might not bring him back next year. I, I don't know. My opinion is I like him, bring him back. He's still under contract. If he's healthy, he's going to be a good player. You put him and Reeder in there, that's a pretty good mix up front. I see the other side. By releasing him, you are going to save a little bit of money, but then that creates some dead cap space as well, which we never like to have. So my opinion on it is bring Geno back. He's a Bengal for life, probably going to the Hall of Fame. And if not, Geno, thank you for everything, man. It's been a pleasure watching this fourth-round pick turn into one of the top defensive tackles in the league year after year. And speaking of players at the top of their position, Jesse Bates, number one rated safety still by Pro Football Focus. And him and Clark Harris have a good shot at getting to the Pro Bowl this year, so I'm hoping that happens. They're both very well-deserving, and it'll be a nice reward for us Bengal fans to see two guys in the Pro Bowl. 
Our quarterback situation is a little iffy for this week. We don't know what's going on with Brandon Allen. Coach Taylor hasn't made any announcements on what's going on with his health, if he's going to play. I know he hasn't been practicing, so that's not a good sign for Monday. So if Brandon Allen doesn't play, the game plan is going to change significantly. I would say put in Hogan over Finley. You know, no disrespect to Finley. I know he's been around for a few years, but he's really struggled. And I know against Pittsburgh, he's going to get sacked a lot and potentially even hurt out there. Whereas Hogan, there's not a ton of tape on him. He's new to the team. It could be the spark that we need to surprise Pittsburgh and and get through this game until Allen comes back healthy. Hogan's played eight games in the NFL. He has four touchdowns, seven interceptions, one rushing touchdown. He was sacked eight times. So those numbers in themselves aren't that impressive. It might just be the spark and the change of pace that makes him a little more productive than Finley could be in this game. And then we picked up another quarterback, Kyle Shermer. Six foot four, two twenty five. So he's a big quarterback, strong arm. He was last on the Chiefs in two thousand nineteen, so he got a chance to watch Mahomes prepare and practice. So hopefully, some of that rubs off on him. I think I would go into this game with three active quarterbacks, just because of that Pittsburgh pass rush. You know, I'm really hoping not, but I could see an injury happen to one of these quarterbacks, and you don't want to get to the point where you were like the Broncos a couple weeks back, and you have to have like Tyler Boyd or Alex Erickson be your quarterback, your emergency quarterback. That's not a good sign for anybody. Another question mark, what do you do at left tackle? My opinion, start at Denergy. Give him another shot. If he really struggles early, then I say you kick Spain over to left tackle. Yeah, put him at another position. I mean, he did good at right tackle that one game. And then you put Redmond in at right guard in Spain's spot. That's not ideal, but I don't think Fred Johnson is a good solution in there based on his struggles last week. And Michael Jordan is probably still going to be inactive at guard. So it's either going to be a Denergy in there or you kick over Spain, put in Redmond. Trey Waynes has been declared out for the rest of the season. And that's good. You know, let him rest up. Let him heal. Let him come back strong next year. We pair him up with William Jackson, Mackenzie Alexander. Maybe we pick up another corner in free agency or the draft. Everyone stays healthy. We'll be set at corner next year. And I'm going to reiterate the fact that we're out of it. I want to see some of these practice squad players get a shot. There's a couple that come to mind. Winston Rhodes, I'm dying to see what he can do on the NFL level. Jacques Patrick, I'm dying to see what he can do in an NFL game, especially a bruising, physical AFC North cold-weather game like this. Put him in there. Let him get a couple snaps. Let him run out those Pittsburgh linebackers. Maybe he'll do some damage. And then maybe you bring up a wide receiver. I know, you know, we have Stanley Morgan. We got him a couple snaps. But maybe someone like Scotty Washington tall, rangy receiver who can go out for a couple deep balls. And B.J. Finney, he's played against the Steelers. He's practiced against the Steelers. It might be a good idea to have him active for this game. And I want to see what he can do. You know, he has played in the NFL for several years. Maybe he's a functional player that can be a part of this team for the next couple years. But we're not going to know that unless we see him play in our system. All right, so on to the injuries. Brandon Allen with the knee. We don't know what's happening with him. Bobby Hart surfaced on the injury report with a back. I'm hoping that he plays, because if not, we're going to be really thin at tackle. We're going to have some problems out there. Logan Wilson with that foot. I don't think he's going to be playing this game. And this is one of those games where I think that we can really use him to cover Ebron. But he's going to be one of our cornerstone defensive players of the future, so I don't want to rush him back for a game that really doesn't mean anything in the playoff race. Brandon Wilson's still nursing that hamstring. That's a tough injury, especially when you're a kick returner. You know, when you, when you pull a hamstring, it's hard to get the confidence to burst because that's what does it. You know, you can trot around, you can walk around, but when you burst into a sprint, 
that if it's not healed, you're going to feel it right away. And even the mentality, like you feel like it's going to go every time that you sprint. So that's a touchy injury for Brandon Wilson. I'm hoping that he's healthy enough to play this week. If not, again, another player that's part of our long-term future, protect his health. Steelers injuries, Kevin Dotson, their backup guard, who was going to probably start this game, has a shoulder injury. So if he can't go, they're going to be on their third string guard. That's going to help in the running game with our run defense because they're going to have a third stringer in there. And maybe we'll have some vulnerability. We'll do a couple stunts and maybe get a sack on the guy that replaces Dotson. Joe Hayden nursing a concussion. Not sure if he's going to be playing this week. You know, he's a dangerous player if he's in there. I know he had an interception of Burrow last game. And Connor with a quad injury, so they're probably going to go with a committee of Snell, Samuels, and Smallwood to back him up. So they could be a little compromised at running back, although Snell is capable of having a big game against us. And Sean Davis has an illness. I'm not sure if he's going to play either, but he probably will be in the lineup. All right, so what are my concerns for this game? Mainly it's going to be the protection of whatever quarterback that we have in there. With that defensive line and that pass rush, it's a tough go against these guys. T.J. Watt ranks second in the league at his position. Hayward ranks second in the league at his position. That's a force on their defensive line. Tewitt's a great player. Highsmith seems like he's filling in really well for Bud Dupree. So that combination, along with their scheme and their propensity to blitz, I mean, even Hilton coming out of the slot could be dangerous as far as blitzing. You know, it's going to be a tough go. We're going to have to really make sure that we protect our quarterback this week. And then turnovers. You know, with that defensive line, the strip sack is very, very possible this week. And then you have Minka Fitzpatrick back there, who's a turnover machine. So those could be game-changing plays, and we're going to really have to take care of the ball, be a little conservative with our passing game. I know I said to throw a deep ball early. You do want to do a few of those. But a short, quick passing game would be more beneficial than going downfield a bunch against these guys. All right, so when we're on defense, what are my concerns? Big Ben. You know, even though he's getting old and you think that he's pretty much near the end, still playing decently. Last couple weeks struggled a little bit, but he's always a threat. He gets the ball out quickly. He's accurate. He knows the game. And we have a ton of wide receivers that we have to cover. You know, you have Juju, Johnson, Claypool, Ebron. And look out for James Washington. Just when you think you have everybody else covered, they send that guy deep and then there could be trouble there as well. And then without Logan Wilson in there, we might have some problems covering Ebron. So I'm going to recommend you have Sean Williams in there. And the fact that we haven't been able to generate much pressure. Even though Ben gets the ball out quickly, you give him time to throw, he's even more deadly. So that's a major concern this game as well. All right, what would I do? How would I approach this game if I was the coaching staff of the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, offensively, as I said earlier, lots of short, quick passes. Don't let that defensive line get up on you. And a lot of runs, too. Keep them honest. They're not that great against the run. Their linebacking core isn't the greatest in the league either. So those are two secrets, short passes and runs. And we're going to have to move the pocket for our quarterback. If he just takes a drop back, they're going to be all over him. So some rollouts and even some design runs off those rollouts might be a good idea in this game. Kind of like an anything-goes game. And go after those linebackers. Run the ball, screen passes, draws, passes to the running backs, tight ends, whatever it takes, really focus on those linebackers' strengths and weaknesses and exploit them. Travion Williams is a good bet this game. I know Gio's the starter, Pirine runs hard, but Travion, there's not a lot of tape on him, and he's playing with some young, fast, fresh legs at this point. So I'd say we get him a bunch of carries too and see what he can do against Pittsburgh. And also, if he's going to be on the roster for the future, he's got to get in there and get a taste of what it's like to run the ball against Pittsburgh. 
lots of tight end sets and H back, you know, just another protector in there, another guy on the line or just offset off the line to help block and double team TJ Watt. You know, if they have some crazy exotic blitzes, have somebody in there that can handle them in addition to the running backs. And then the Steelers' corners. I say we go after them. If we can find any time to throw, I like the matchup of Boyd, Higgins, and Green versus Nelson, Sutton, and Hilton. I think that's to our advantage. So if we can get even a few seconds to throw the ball, that could be a big matchup for us. And then pull out all the stops. Play four down football unless you're really backed up in your own end zone. But you have nothing to lose. When you're at midfield, near midfield, you're playing for four downs, not for three. So on that third down and five, you could still run the ball because you know you're going to go for it on fourth down. There's nothing to lose. And let's do some trick plays. Let's try a flea flicker. Maybe a pitch to a wide receiver like Boyd, he throws it. Maybe even a pass back to the quarterback, you, you know, like the um, Philly special. You have the quarterback roll out to the other side, really mix it up, let them know that they're not going to be able to predict anything. Some crazy formations, some extra linemen, some tackle eligibles, just the whole deal. Pull it all out. Erickson in there, have him on jet sweeps, even use him as a running back. Just a lot of wrinkles to confuse this Pittsburgh Steeler team with things that they haven't seen on tape. All right, so what would I do on defense? You have to start Darius Phillips, as long as he's fully healthy. They had him rotating with Sims last game, and I think it was just a matter of easing him back into the lineup off of that groin and knee injury. Mackenzie Alexander on Juju is a big matchup. I think you got to keep that going. Last game, before Mackenzie got the concussion, he was covering Juju very well. So let's think about it. If Jackson can lock down one side, if Phillips can do his job on the other, Alexander takes Juju, Sean Williams covers Ebron, if all those guys can hold up, we might be able to stop that passing game, force them to run the ball more. It could be a formula to winning this game. Let's have some Von Bell blitzes, too. He's very good at it. He's great in the box. If he's hanging around in the box, he's going to be able to make a ton of tackles in the run game. And then you have that blitz every now and then just to keep him honest. He, he's definitely capable of getting to Big Ben, especially because our other pass rushers have been struggling. He might be our best pass rushing threat this week. And this is a game for the fast linebackers, as usual. So Akeem Davis-Gaither should get some action. Logan Wilson's probably going to be out, but maybe that opens the door for Jordan Evans to get a few snaps. He had that great sack last game. He's faster than Pratt and Bynes, so you know if, if we see that they're going four wides a lot, it might be a game to have those linebackers in there that have more speed. And then rotate those defensive linemen constantly. They're all kind of interchangeable at this point. I know Hubbard and Lawson are kind of the mainstays at end, but I still think they should be rotated for, not as much as the other guys, but almost like from snap to snap, everybody. Xavier Williams, Hunt, Covington, Bledsoe, McKenzie, Kareem, of course Daniels. Let's make it so they never know who's going to be lining up from play to play. And we have to play tough on special teams. Hopefully special teams can generate a turnover and a couple big returns that'll make a big difference in a game like this. I don't mind starting Seibert again, too. Just give him another shot, see what he can do in there. We'll know for sure after this game if he's capable of being a kicker or being in the kicker mix for the future. You have to put Mike Thomas at Gunner. I think that's his starting job now. Wouldn't mind seeing another fake punt. Maybe not the same exact one we ran on him last time, but some creative fake just to keep them guessing, like I said earlier, we're going to have to be very creative if we're going to beat a team that is, you know, superior in record right now and in talent, unfortunately. And if Brandon Wilson's out, let's try Travion Williams returning a kick or two. See what he can do back there. He's fast. He's elusive. He's a strong runner. And with that said, if Darius Phillips is healthy, maybe give him a shot returning a punt or two. Not everyone. 
you know, not crucial ones where you just can't afford any mistakes. You know, the safe bet is to have Erickson in there, but it might be creative to have Phillips run back one or two. All right, so what's my prediction for this game? This really isn't prediction. This is kind of hope. So this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the Steelers come out overconfident. I'm hoping that the Bengals play nice and loose and creative and being the home team works to our advantage. We end up containing their run game. Jackson, Alexander, Phillips hold up in coverage. Lawson gets a big hit on Big Ben. Forces a fumble. The Bengals play smart with the ball. No turnovers. Of course, the Steelers score their share, but we also mix it up and score our share. At the very end, Bullock or Seibert hits a 50-yarder to win it. A Monday night win against an overconfident Steelers team. That's what I'm hoping for. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frankie. How you doing, bud? All right, my friend. So what's on your mind? Well, uh, first off, give a shout-out to the Bearcats. Big game tomorrow uh, against Tulsa for the American Athletic Conference championship game. I'm just scared they haven't played in a while. And um, hopefully it won't backfire on them. But after being disrespected again by the college football playoff poll once they get it going during that game i can see them pouring it on tulsa just to make a statement i know all cincinnati will be paying attention for that game but on the bengals front frank you know this team is getting worse you could just play back my segment two weeks ago last week and just say the same thing so that's why i'm not gonna comment too much on them because uh they are who they are i think zach taylor lost his team and the only thing i'm gonna say is um wholesale changes have to happen mike brown has to fire duke tobin and everyone don't let this get out of hand because you know he lost the locker room zach taylor geno atkins is done in cincinnati aj green's done we just have to look forward to the draft and um, Monday night's debacle on national TV. That's the only way that I feel that this team can be saved for next year and save Joe Burrow. Wow, Tom, that's a powerful take. I definitely understand your frustration, man. Yeah, I'm not alone, Frank. It's All of Cincinnati is, is feeling the ripples of this with the Reds talking trades with their players. Um you know, the Bearcats are the only saving grace from this uh, that the fans have something to look forward to. AFC North standings. The Bengals are in fourth place in the AFC North. Their record's two wins, ten losses, and one tie. Pittsburgh's in first at 11-2. and two. The Browns are in second at 9-4. and four. And the Ravens are in third at 8-5. and five. The Bengals are currently the 14th seed in the AFC, and if the season ended right now, they would have the third pick in the draft. X's and O's with Sans. All right, we're here with Sans. Sans, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Frank. How are you doing? All right, my friend. So what are your thoughts on the Bengals and everything that's going on? I've been thinking about this for a little bit offensively because that's where Zach Taylor specializes and who knows if we'll have him next year or if we're going to let him go and hire somebody new but I just want to think about what his offense is and everything like that 
It hasn't been Sean McVay East ever since like week eight of last year, but he still keeps trying to force in those outside zones. And even though last year we found out that we're better running pin pool, even an outside zone pin pool where we're pinning a guy in the name, one guy comes down, down blocks and pins him, and the guy to his left or right is going to pool around him towards the action of the play and pool in front. And our running backs do better this way. Our blocking is better. It utilizes our athletes on the offensive line. And then when we start this year, we're back to normal zone blocking. We ran pin pool for, I think, the first time last week, pin pool outside zone. And then we're back to normal outside zone this week. So I realize there's a lot of stuff that can come off of outside zone. The nakeds, which I think he did a good job of getting Brandon Allen some easier looks for a backup quarterback. Uh, a lot of those jet touch passes and the naked boots, which is when your whole offensive line goes left, you roll right, and the route that's almost always open is that sneak, which is the one that's right in front of him, the flat. And he was hitting that for easy gains. But I don't think we need to do that for Burrow. So, because he's our franchise quarterback and quarterback of the future, when we look at Burrow's fit in the Zach Taylor offense, I think it's fine, but I think Zach's just kind of become a incomplete mixture of LSU and the Rams and there's a tiny bit of his own stuff but those offenses work so well because they base their plays around certain looks like the Rams and that outside zone the split outside zone they have I want to say like 15 plays that come off that same look and for me it's almost surprising when I see oh that looked a lot like this play we ran earlier like we run so many slant flat dragon and it took us till I think week nine to run a sluggo off of that I mean we got to the point where uh, J.T. O'Sullivan at the QB school, he watched Burrow and he said, they should really run a sluggo here. This shouldn't come from an analyst. This should come from the coach. He should be able to know, all right, they're jumping the slant. We throw that so often. So once they jump it one time, throw a sluggo at them and keep them honest. At worst, they cover the sluggo, you check it down, and then they're more honest about your slant the next time you run it. I think the real problem, because I've talked about it before, that Zach has these moments so you're like this is why we hired him this is he's got the offensive mind it's just not consistent and i think what would help build that consistency is if he started basing a lot of his own looks around the stuff we're currently like have some staple plays and have like 10 plays that look like that play i think announcers even show it all the time like hey look can you spot the difference when they run this play and this play and it's two different plays it's kind of like when you're a pitcher and you throw a forcing fastball and then you throw a changeup. If you have a different windup for your changeup, they're going to know what's coming. It's not going to fool them. But if it looks the exact same until the break point, that's what gets them. Not to bring baseball into it, but that's just what I think of. It's the deception of play calling, really. So that's my thoughts on it. I'm not going to say whether I want him here or not next year. I just think there is room for growth. I think he has an offensive mind. I just think he's incomplete and i think that's something that comes with experience and time in the league so then when i look at defense i think there's two different types of coordinators you can either dictate what the opponent's going to do or you can react and to me lou's been a little bit of a react and that's fine i think bill belichick's a little bit of a react type guy and then you look at dictate dictates like what wink martindale did to us where he's going to dictate our offensive line and he's going to play off of it and make you react So I think he's been a little bit of a react guy, but this week it seemed like he was kind of dictating things more. There was one specific play. Now, I'm not 100% sure if I could call it a pirate stunt, which is one of my favorite things in defensive line play. It's where the D 
defensive end's going to crash in, the defensive tackle next to him's going to crash in, and the nose tackle either on the other side of the center or head up with the center is going to loop all the way around. And we did even smarter than that. We did a little wrinkle off of it where it was Jordan Evans. That's how he got his sack was two guys crashed in and he looped around. There was no chance anybody was going to block him. You just have to be able to get that ball out before he gets there. And we look, came into a five-man front, which that usually on an offensive line is going to make them get into big-on-big or 5-0 protection. Basically, you block the man in front of you. And that's what every defensive coordinator wants you to get into when they're a dictating defensive coordinator because that's how your stunts really work. I mean, you have a team like us, and we struggle in slides being able to pass off stunts. When you get into a 5-0 protection where you have this man in front of you and he goes inside, you're going to try to block him inside because once you give up your inside, that's the quickest route to the quarterback. So when they block him inside, they end up getting all their offensive line occupied, and you get a fast guy like Jordan Evans looping around. I think that's a great call. And there's another one, the Jesse Bates, well, one, just going to give a shot. He broke on that ball that he should have intercepted. He broke on that before Dalton even started to throw it. He was able to read the quarterback so well and probably a film study thing where he just knew exactly where he was going with that before Dalton even knew he was going to throw it there. So I think that was awesome, even though he didn't come up with the interception. The other thing is when he almost got his sack and forced that intentional grounding, that was another look that I think Lou dictated. It was a cool thing. We lined up in man coverage. He was manned up over a tight end, I believe, near the line of scrimmage, just off. Snap of the ball, he sprints, and he's going right down the A-gap. And we were able to push outside, almost the opposite of the Pirate, where the defensive end went outside, the defensive tackle went outside, and Jesse Bates comes up the middle. And those two things are awesome. I think Lou's been throwing spaghetti at the wall trying to generate a pass rush with our with our talent to me he wants to be a react guy and rush for his front four not every single down but that's his main thing i think he would want to just rush for and play good coverage on the back end that makes sense since he's a db coach he wants to play good coverage over a good pass rush but when you have such an ineffective pass rush that we've had you've got to start trying some things and i think he just now figured out a few ways to generate pressure we'll see if he continues it in the next week because i mean a lot of times with both lou and zach i feel like i've seen something they're like okay that's good we should keep doing that and then they kind of just drop it so i don't know i think those were i think those were good play calls i think that's something we could implement for the future and even if we don't have lou next year I'm not going to say either way whether i want that or not even if we don't have him next year, I think that's something that we should continue to do next year with a new defensive coordinator if that would happen. So, Sins, what are your thoughts on the Steeler game? Honestly, I'm pretty nervous about it, especially if Brandon Allen misses and we're starting Ryan Finley because, to me, Ryan Finley hasn't shown great pocket awareness or management, and that's going to be terrible against the Steelers with T.J. Watt rushing against Bobby Hart. Jonah's out, so and Alex Highsmith looks really good, which makes me upset because they're probably going to lose Bud Dupree and then they just, they drafted another good player in like the third or fourth round whenever they got him. Maybe it was the second, I don't know. But I was just upset about it because it's like, oh, come on. They already got his backup. He's just as good. So they have five really, really talented guys on their front. On the back end, they're going to, they've got some pretty good defensive backs, but I mean, T. Higgins was able to get open against them. I think some of the route concepts and maybe that was just uh, the wide receivers they kind of messed it up last time we played them a little bit ending up with guys in the same place but what they're gonna do is they confused burrow with this 
they're probably going to confuse Finley with it, but they're going to move their safeties a lot. They're going to move them at the at the snap. They'll spin one down, one and one will drop deep. They'll look middle of the field open versus middle of the field close is one of the biggest things for quarterbacks. And then at the snap, change the middle of the field close. And when you're a quarterback that is trying to read the whole defense, sometimes you can miss that because safety is really key what the entire defense is to me. I mean, you can disguise it and you can play coverages where they don't key it. But on most coverages, your safety is going to key what's going on. If they're going to confuse Finley, force him to hold the ball a little longer, he doesn't have the great pocket presence, they're really going to probably get some sacks on us. Maybe we can mitigate the pass rush with some smart plays, and those naked boots and stuff would really be nice against this team. I mean, T.J. Watt wants to rush the passer, let him come in, and then just throw the little flat route right behind him. They really don't have much of a run game on offense, but their run game is basically these short passes that Ben Roethlisberger's throwing. He's throwing the ball out there in less than two seconds, and that's almost an extension of the run game, really. So while their run game isn't much, I think their short pass game has been working well. What I think teams have done that's helped them play against the Steelers is that they take away the short passes, force them to throw it long, and just trust their guy to not give up multiple long touchdowns. And I think Ben doesn't really want to throw it deep that often right now. His offensive line hasn't been playing great. They give up pressure if he takes too long sometimes. Not every time. They're not a terrible offensive line, but they're not the offensive line they used to be. And I don't think Ben wants to take these hits, especially in a game against us where they probably think they'll win no matter what. It's kind of like when they faced the football team. They they came out flat. To me, it seemed like they thought, oh, well, we're going to win. Why would I put myself up for an injury by holding the ball too long? So I think there's a chance our defense could play really well. I'm definitely worried about our offense. We'll see what Zach can do to mitigate the pass rush. And we didn't really give up many sacks last time, but that was with Burrow managing the pocket and throwing the ball out quick. Excellent analysis, Sands. How do people find you on social media? Bengals underscore Sands on both Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for having me. Handicappers Corner. The unofficial Bengals podcast current record is 15 wins, 22 losses, 40%. All right, I'm hoping that I can change my luck with these three games. Bills minus six at Broncos, Chiefs minus three at Saints, and Browns minus five at Giants. I wish you luck with whatever games you choose this week, with the exception of Pittsburgh. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals-Steelers Monday night game. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. And I'd also like to thank the Zedia Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at Zedia Network on Instagram or Twitter, and Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.